0: Welcome to the Michelle Meow Show, your A through Z, covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between. I'm Michelle Meow, and uh, here on Thursday, we do our Commonwealth Club programming and taping of the Michelle Meow Show with my co-host, John Zipper. John, I, hi, John. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hello, Michelle. Always oh, great yeah. to be here with you.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we do a one-hour taping here at the Commonwealth Club. It airs on progressive voices for those who don't know. Um, and uh, we also post that up on the website at michellemiao.com. So if you want to search for it and share it with your friends, you can do that. Very thankful to the Commonwealth Club to include this program and the importance of LGBTQI thought leaders. But thank you for joining us. You're here for our very important guest. And and uh, now I'm starting to get very nervous and shy because I've been waiting for this moment <laughs> For over, uh, over a month, you know, when Tam emailed me back, and it was an innocent email, like, will you please come to my teeny tiny, you know, radio program? But uh, Probably she's... not
1: the exact words <laughs> you <use.
0: laughs> But she is Dr. Tam O'Shaughnessy, who's the executive director of Sally Ride Science, but of course you also know her as a children's science author, and of course, uh, surviving partner and, and life partner of Sally Ride, the first... American female to go into space, Dr. Tammy Shaughnessy. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Yeah, a glorious yeah. introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. It was just a a, a kind offer of yours, and it just really um, intrigued me. And so I was happy that it worked out to come in June because June is a special month for yeah. all of us.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I was ready to rent a space shuttle if i had to <laughs> They'll pick you up and bring you right you know now just kidding so there there are so many questions i have and we only really have about 40 45 minutes because our, our audience also gets to ask you some questions um but i'm going to start i'm going to start when you know you were 12 13 years old somewhere around there oh and, wow uh, okay and, and and when you met sally during a, a, a tennis circuit or competition circuit of some you know i'm going all the way back there because. I would like to know uh, what it was like to f- meet Sally for the first time, but also your own story. You know, what What was it like to grow up as Tam when you came out, okay. when you didn't, you didn't come out, you know? I
2: did, and then I and then I pulled back into the closet, and then I came out again. <laughs> yeah. um, let's see. Yeah, so I um, grew up in Southern California playing um, tennis, you know, and going to school and doing all the normal kid stuff. Um, and, but it was in the 1960s and Southern California was a real hub for tennis. Sorry. Um, and so some of the best players in the world either grew up there like Billie Jean King, Billie Jean Moffat King, uh, grew up in Long Beach, um, or the top players in the world like Maria Bueno, who actually, um. Uh, She was a great uh, champion from Brazil. She recently passed away just a few days ago. Um, Rod Laver, you know, the best men and women would come through Southern California and play tournaments. And especially there was this one big tournament at the Los Angeles Tennis Club. Anyway, so Sally grew up in Encino. I grew up in Fullerton um, in Southern Cal. And we both started, you know, independently, picked up tennis. We were both kind of, you know, young young girl jocks. We loved sports and moving and, and doing things. And uh, so we both started playing tennis tournaments. And then at this one tournament in Redlands, um, which is boiling hot, <laughs> inland in Southern California, um, we played each other. And I'd never met her before. You know, I'd heard her name and probably seen it in the draws. And, um, you know, it was... Uh, we we had fun and you're not supposed to have fun when you're competing. You're supposed to be, you know, I'm gonna beat that girl. <laughs> and <laughs> Sally and I just ended up every time it, you you cross the net and change ends uh, to, make sure that you have a different view of the sun and shade and the conditions and, you know, to keep it fair for the two players. Anyway, every time we crossed sides, we'd, we'd stop and talk and drink water and keep talking. And, uh, you know, I probably should have known then, but I was too young and, and, and dumb uh, to realize that there was just this extra excitement um, whenever Sally and I saw each other from, from then on. Um, and I, I just didn't know what it was for a long time.
0: That's okay. I'll <laughs> forgive you, and I did for a really long time why I had a crush on Susan Lucci, so.
2: Okay, yeah. Susan Lucci. All right, but then you figured it out. Yep, I did. Yeah. John.
1: You were saying before, uh, Billie Jean King didn't just live down there and play tennis. She <laughs> taught you some how to play, or she was a teacher of yours?
2: She, uh, yeah, my, my mother was actually the supervisor of recreation in uh, Fullerton, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And my mother was, she was just a wonderful person. She passed away a few years ago. But, uh, you know, she helped develop all the programs in, in Fullerton. And it was just this, it was a great place to grow up because there were all these public parks. And then my mom and the others in the recreation department would set up all these programs for swimming and chess and square dancing and tennis and so on. And my mom decided to start a tennis tournament for uh... people in southern california and she modeled it after this very neat tournament in la jolla which still goes on today at the la jolla beach and tennis club and uh, it's played all over san diego too and they have you know they have the normal like girls and boys twelve and under fourteen and under sixteen and under women's men's doubles mixed doubles but they also have mother daughter father daughter father son you know all these crazy combinations. Yeah. so my mom started this tournament And anyway, she was brave enough or whatever to call uh, Billie Jean and uh, Larry. They had just gotten married. Uh, So it was uh, 1965. And uh, so my mom called Billie Jean and Larry. And at that time, Billie Jean was uh, like the number fourth player in the world. And I'm I'm not, she might have been the number one player in the United States. Anyway, my mom said, would you play doubles in this tournament? I've just started with my daughter. And Billie Jean said, yes you know, and, and, and that's really, that's how Billie Jean is. Uh, She just really tries to help uh, everybody, especially the, you know, the younger generation with uh, tennis or, or whatever. So um, she asked, we played the tournament. We, we won. Of course, I had, you know, I had this great partner and we really had fun. We both had like this crazy hair and, you know, we were wearing the all white little tennis skirts and, Uh, but she, and she was probably, uh, 22 at that time. I was 13. And then she said, you want to take lessons? And, you know, I jumped at the chance, uh, as did my mother. (laughs) And so Billy, Jean and Larry would drive from Alhambra near Los Angeles to Fullerton for, so that we could work out for a few hours or, uh, my mother would organize a a, a ride for me to go someplace. And, uh, so she, she was wonderful to me, um, you know, and she kind of coached me through the juniors. And then um, I guess when I was about 19, the first uh, Women's Tennis Association uh, circuit started. It was uh, sponsored by uh, Virginia Slims. <laughs> and they used to give away <laughs> free f- four-packs of cigarettes at the tournament. Gren would remember, because Gren Demhauser was the first associate director of the Women's Tennis Association. Uh, and, uh, and Lindsay Bevan was actually um, a top, you know, top ten, top eight, I'm not sure, uh, player from England, anyway. So Billy Jean was very good to me. And then when I went on, I played on the pros for about four years and, and would hit sometimes. And... Um, anyway, and she's become a very, very good friend. Yeah.
0: Okay. So when you emailed me back, uh, I told you, I told you, I, I was jumping up and up and down with joy and my wife and I were slow dancing. <laughs> I love it. emailing me back. And then you email, emailed me back and replied that you and Sally used to do that dance together. And so I, I would love to, to get, to ask the question to talk about you and Sally sure. um, in the video that was posted on the Huffington Post, you know, just kind of mention it just kind of happened. But I mean, if there w- if you wrote a romance, not a novel, but a biography of how it all happened. Like, so like, how did it all happen? Like, who made the first move? <laughs>
2: <did> the romance, <laughs> you want
0: to know? Well,
1: <laughs> I want to know. When did you realize this wasn't just a friendship? Yeah, yeah. No,
2: yeah. it it was it was really um it was one of those uh, amazing surprises, but that in hindsight, it shouldn't have been a surprise, but it was. So what happened is, you know, so Sally and I met when I was 12, when she was 13. She was the older, the older woman. Um, <laughs> and we we were, we were friends, you know, throughout our teenage years, uh, early 20s. Um, she um, loved playing tennis and, 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 but she kind of realized that, uh Tennis wasn't going to be it for her, and she loved physics, um, so she went to college. I decided to play on the pro tour and just get my head beat in <laughs> for a few years till I went okay, move on. And anyway, so uh, uh, Sally was studying at Stanford, and then when I, I quit playing tennis when I was 22, I actually I had a good quit. I quit at Wimbledon, yeah. <laughs> the summer of 1974, wow. and uh, I. Actually, got my first job with Billie Jean and Larry King, um, Billie Jean's former husband, and they started this company uh, in San Mateo. It was called King Enterprises. And they basically um, published uh, tennis magazines. And Billie Jean and Larry had started uh, the first women's sports magazine to kind of rival Sports Illustrated. It was called Women's Sports Magazine. And it was based in New York with, you know, high-level editors and writers and all that stuff. But then it got moved to San Mateo. So we were all kind of there. And uh, anyway, so I was in Northern California. So uh, Sally and I resumed our friendship. And it was totally a friendship. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, would run in the Stanford Hills, would play tennis sometimes before work. Um, And then um, I actually fell in love with somebody else besides... It wasn't Sally at the time, and, uh, and didn't think a woman. I wasn't going to say
0: that, but that was, that's go ahead. Anyway,
2: so so I moved to Atlanta. I wanted to wow. start college uh, and study biology, so I moved to Atlanta with uh, sort of my first serious girlfriend, uh, Betsy, and. Sally was at Stanford finishing her degree. You know, Sally sees the ad in the the student newspaper of NASA looking for astronauts. Women, you're welcome to apply. Um, And so, you know, she applies. uh, She becomes an astronaut and so on. And uh, she invited me to her first flight in 1983. Um, and um, and so Betsy and I went. And we couldn't see Sally because she was in quarantine. You know, the astronauts, you gotta make sure you don't give them any infections and mess up their, their ride to space. Um, but it was a wonderful experience. And then after that first flight, Sally started giving talks um, around the country and she was smart enough to pick places where she had friends, you know, so she could hang out and have some fun. <laughs> and uh, so she started coming to Atlanta a lot. And in the meantime, you're going to learn not to ask me a question because I try to answer it very thoroughly so you can just no, go I, cut.
0: I, I really want to, I mean, you're building up to I'm that building point. up to the
2: story. Okay, so, I'm giving yes, you, yeah, you're, okay. you're
0: actually going to elaborate other, you know, because in the video, you kind of skip over, like it just kind of happened. But now it's yeah, here I didn't just... on the show, you're actually going to tell us.
2: How? And, yes. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're, we're getting there. <laughs> okay. So anyway, Sally started coming to Atlanta. In the meantime, uh, I had broken up with, uh, the, the woman that I was with for like 10 years. It was, yeah, heartbreaking breakup, but these things do happen and sometimes for a good reason. Um, anyway, so Sally and I uh, kind of, you know, resumed our friendship again and just, um, you know, I thought we were friends and then she continued to come to Atlanta and would go to movies go out to eat run in Piedmont Park do stuff and this one day um, you know we, we went for a walk run in Piedmont Park we came back to my apartment and I had this little uh, three-legged cocker spaniel uh, Annie anyway Annie was so excited to see us. We'd been gone a couple of hours. And so and Sally and I had plopped down on the couch. We're all sweaty and hot from, you know, because we're in Atlanta. Um, And I just remember I I leaned forward to kind of pet Annie. And um, I turned to look back. No, why did I turn to look back? Because you want the details. (laughs) (laughs) So I leaned forward to pet Annie. And I felt a hand on my lower back, and and it, you know it kind of gave me the chills. And I looked back, and I didn't. I don't think I included that part about the hand. Yeah. Um,
1: you heard it here first, folks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I looked back, and just the look in Sally's eyes, you know. Uh, I could tell she was in love with me. And then I kind of, it's just like this whole body experience. I just realized that it was mutual.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, you, had, you had had a partner. You'd been with someone for 10 years. Yes. Did you, did you know Sally was a lesbian or was that a surprise or had you known that for a while? I,
2: um, I didn't. That is a very good question. I didn't really, um, I didn't know that she was. I don't think she knew that she was completely. She did have a relationship with her roommate in college who was female, Molly. Um, And it was a very good, very intense uh, relationship. Um, But then Sally, you know, went off to NASA. um, and, And I think, I don't think Sally was sure about completely who she was yet. You know, she was still in her 20s and pretty... Young, even though today, you know, kids when they're 12 and 13, they know who they are. Uh, but our society has allowed young people to be much more, um, to have more choices about how to think about themselves in the world. So
1: Jason Collins talked about gay athletes. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence discussed activism and good works. Actor and director Rob Reiner explained how he got Hollywood behind same-sex marriage. Barney Frank described what it's like to be gay at the highest levels of Washington. From healthcare reform to transgender rights, from immigration to gay-owned businesses, it's all at the Commonwealth Club.
0: Um, so going back to that gaze, that look. Then what happened next? I mean, <laughs> did it just end with the hand on the back? Sure, it, it, it ended. Yeah, that was it. I got gotcha. you.
2: <laughs> John. No, it, yeah. it 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 uh you know, I mean, it was one of those moments where you know, um you know, w- we needed to kiss. Yeah. And 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 you know, and it was the kind of slow and you know just one of those it was almost like a movie just where you you know it's the first kiss and you've been kissed before but this is special this is different you know just slowly coming together and uh it was quite a kiss you know and it was <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it was gonna just like in a movie. I was Whoa. Gonna say we
1: have people in hollywood Whoa. who listen to this and yeah. they've they've got to make a movie out of that um <laughs> anyway what what I don't know how to say this. What goes on after that? I mean, when did you realize, I mean, was this like awesome? We're going to have a relationship or I'm scared. I mean, what, what?
2: Yeah. No, good, good questions. Um, So after the kiss, because I know Michelle wants more of the details, (laughs) then it, it, you know, we sort of broke apart and looked at each other. And then I remember Sally sort of said, we don't have to do this. I must have said something like, "Oh dear, you know, we are <laughs> we're headed for trouble," or you know, whatever I said, and she just said, "You know, we don't have to do this." You know, it's like, mm, "Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do." But what happened is that, um, you know, I was still really recovering from this relationship that was very important to me, that didn't work out, and Sally was married. Yeah, she was married to. You know this wonderful guy, Steve Hawley's astronaut and physicist, and or astronomer, almost same difference. Um, so I wasn't sure what was going to happen, and I wasn't sure uh, I wasn't sure how committed I was. I wasn't sure how committed Sally was, um, but it was very intense, and it was just um, we had so much in common, and there was real chemistry between us. It, so it was just good, you know, just sweet and um, unbelievable.
1: So basically, what you're saying is, Sally Ride, your life partner, was a rebound. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but maybe I was a rebound for her. Yeah. Who knows? We we, yeah. we, we rebound.
0: It, Sometimes it, it rebounds like are the best shots. Of
1: exactly the right arms. I mean. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Um, yeah. But obviously, it moved into you know an official. You figured it out.
2: Yeah, and it it actually didn't take too long. And one thing that Sally did that totally impressed me, it was like, okay, I like how this girl thinks is that she, um, you know, she was really worried about Steve. She adored him. She loved him, um, you know, as a friend, um, and, uh, didn't want to hurt him, but also didn't want to be married Mm. anymore. And within five months when we realized that we were a couple, um, you know, she, uh, she told Steve, that she didn't want to be married anymore. She did not tell him why, but she did tell him. And I just thought that was uh, very brave. And I have friends who have you know, been in affairs or whatever, and it's just like the other person will not make up their mind. They won't do the hard work of just uh, breaking up with the person that they're having trouble with or whatever. Um, so I just thought, wow, you know, she's very clear about how she feels, what she thinks, and she takes care of business. I know, we're like, wait, my turn, my turn, my, my turn. No, go ahead,
1: John. Literally, <laughs> the show has your name on it. so. You, you, well, what a what name, I, what you too.
2: Say? Look <laughs> at that. That is beautiful. Oh, <laughs> you <laughs> show me Presented meow. by. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Presen- yeah. yeah.
1: Well, what I was going to say is, obviously, I think a lot of folks are like I was, who did not know Sally Ride was gay until she passed. Yes. And then we learned about you. How did, And and how, I mean, with, with all the, you know, the presidents that she would have worked, you know, she worked under Ronald Reagan and onward, um, and all the, the high profile that she was and that you both were then in the, you know, in your science education activities, how, who knew and how did you try, how much of an effort, how important was it that this not be, I guess, widely known?
2: Yeah. So, um, You know, I think one thing to know about Sally is even when she was 13 years old, she was like one of the most private people on the face of the earth. It was just fundamental to how she was raised um, and who she was. And so in a way, she didn't change just because she was famous or became an astronaut or whatever. She just was extremely private. Um, But... um, what was your question? <laughs> I, I just went off somewhere. I'm sorry in that well, answer. No. Well,
1: that that really kind of gets to the heart of it, which was that, you know, the, for the most part, oh, yeah. people did not know this. Right. And did people in, you know, the, when, when she was appointed the head of the uh, commission that investigated the Challenger tragedy, you know, did the White House know? No. I mean, no.
2: No. So, yeah. So uh, we kept... You know, we, we talked about it a lot mm-hmm. and um, went at, at first for, you know, a number of years. because We got together in 1985, and uh, um, it was just more a matter of privacy. But our friends, our close friends and our family knew. And also, we, in a way, we were indirectly open. That's a weird way of saying. But it's like if Sally had an event at NASA or the university, or if I did at my university, or with whatever, we invited each other to everything. So we were always sort of the couple, but we just never said the words, she is my partner, or whatever. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I wish we had, but we, we didn't. Um, so it, it was very closed. No one, you know, in the business world, and, uh, you know, really knew. I'm sure people talked and, and Figured it out, um, but then when we started our company in 2000, um, we purposely made the choice to not be open um, because our, our life at the university was pretty easygoing, and you know we wrote our science books for kids in the summer or the on weekends, um, and you know universities are just so they're wonderful, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and so I actually think if we'd stayed if we hadn't started the company. Um, we might have been more open eventually. But we, we, our company we knew was going to be dependent on corporate sponsorships, and we didn't think that, you know, the head of GE or ExxonMobil would fund us if they knew that the two women running the organization were lesbos. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: And, the, I mean, the, <clears throat> that was a conversation you both had together probably numerous times. Did yes. you ever feel... Uh, discrimination, even if people didn't know, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, when you're out there and you're doing your work and people might have a feeling or they pick up on stuff. Sure. Right. Sure.
2: Um, you know, yes. Yeah. And, and, um, I think that, um, both Sally and I also felt sort of, um, because we grew up in sports And girls weren't supposed to be in sports, (laughs) you know, girls weren't supposed to be jocks. And uh, we both actually felt discrimination being who we were as athletes. And then we were both interested in science. Girls aren't supposed to be interested in science in the 60s and uh, 70s. Uh, uh, And then, you know, then on top of that, you know, we're both gay. And so, uh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think me, you know, because I have always worn my hair short. I mean, one day I'm going to have a crew cut and, uh, you know, I don't know, all those things you feel. I felt very sensitive to how people reacted to me and often would go to the store from the time I was a young girl until recently. You know, you go to, you go to 7-Eleven to get a, a bottle of water or something You go. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's like what planet am I on?
0: still happens
2: yeah yeah no it happens yeah. it's like people don't quite notice the you know yeah they're not mindful
1: there, there was in this video we keep referencing a, a clip of <laughs> sally ride coming out i guess this is like the announcement of of or the unveiling or whatever of the the crew of that that first space shuttle mission that she'll be on and she's asked a question do you know what question I'm going to, to someone saying, so, you know, how do you, as, as whatever, as a scientist, when, when a problem comes up, um, something goes wrong, yeah. how do you personally handle it? Do you weep? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I know. And Sally, Sally was really good in yeah. those news conferences cause she just, uh, you know, she wouldn't put up with the, but she did it in such a, a humor, yeah. humorful, humor, humorous, humorous way. You know, so I think her response was to look over to her good buddy Rick Howick and say, why doesn't anybody ask Rick those questions? You know, Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. she was asked some some doozies. Yeah, yeah.
0: What about coming out to because you mentioned that you were out to family and friends and, uh, you know, specifically family members. Were you there when Sally, you know, came out like this is my life partner or (coughs) or we're really doing this?
2: Um, I actually, uh, so I came out to my family when I was 22, when I realized, so I was still on the circuit and I just realized that, um, I was attracted to women. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I just thought it was, I was actually very proud to be gay. And I think part of it was probably because of Billie Jean. I just thought it was a neat world to be a part of and, uh, it was who I was and, you know, playing tennis, um, you know, not every female tennis player is gay by any stretch of the, you know, it's all, it's, you know, <laughs> you have Chris Everett and lots of players are, are uh, straight and whatever. But the, the feeling, especially back in the early days of tennis, was there was a lot of camaraderie and people would go out to eat together and practice together and it was just this, you know, you felt very safe and kind of open um, so I just thought the world was like that, you know, so I tell my family and, uh, and my sisters were fine about it. And my mother, we never talked about it after that one time. Really? Mm. I think she was okay, but she just couldn't talk about it. Mm. She was okay with it. But anyways, that's when I was 22, but Sally and I didn't get together until about a decade later. And then, uh, you know, I was open with my family, but Sally, you know, and I, I said, you know, we're, we're together. We're, we're a couple. But Sally never said those words to her father or mother, wow. or Bear, for that matter, her sister. Oh. But, but Sally had, Bear wanted to talk <clears throat> to Sally and I. Sally's sister's real name is Karen. <clears throat> well, I shouldn't say that. Her real name is Bear, now she changed it. Mm-hmm. But when she was a little girl, uh, Sally couldn't say her name, so it, it, it morphed. <laughs> it was like Pear or, anyway, it turned into Bear. And she mm-hmm. is stuck with, she's Bear Ride. Bear ride. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Bear wanted to talk to Sally and I about her. Uh, Bear was married for twenty years and then realized that, well she wasn't happy in the marriage and then realized that she was oh gay. God. And so Bear wanted to talk to us and Sally and I figured it was a great opportunity to tell Bear to to tell her, not just have it be hanging in the air. Yeah. But Sally did, didn't want to do it, so I did it, of course. <laughs> so Bear and I went and had a beer and talked, and we, you know, it was easy and fun and just talked about who we were.
1: And you taught her to play tennis and because that's apparently the, the entry drug <laughs> to lesbianism. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we have, I have maybe a, a question or two more before we open it up to our audience uh, for questions for Tam. And I want to fast forward to... Um, You know, Sally being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and then you had mentioned that you, at that point, you're more open about the relationship and actually even going to the length of becoming domestic partners. We didn't have federal marriage equality yet. Right. Right? Yep. Um, So was there a proposal or
2: anything? No, but... Uh, you know, I guess Sally and I chose to do many things indirectly.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but but we did you know we when Sally got sick, it she really changed and and I did too. but I think Sally more than I did, she just was much more um, open about her feelings because she was pretty pretty tight with talking about her. The emotional side of herself she could talk business or physics for days on end but if you asked her how she felt about <laughs> something it would be like a 30 second or 45 second conversation um, but anyway she uh, she just changed a good bit and she became um, much more open in public you know grabbing my arm um, letting me kiss her on the cheek only the cheek though um and then and we talked about um you know I think if I think if if we could have been married because it had closed off in California in what 2010 or something so this was 2011 then I mean I would have proposed to her in a heartbeat and I think she would have also I think we would have gotten married I wish we had I, I kind of want that experience once in my life so we became what Sally and I called, we were domestic hens, (laughs) (laughs) certified (laughs) domestic hens, and and Sally actually bought these little salt and pepper shaker things that are, you know, like a hen and a rooster, anyway, because they don't have two hens, which they should, it's ridiculous. Anyway, you know, we we became as close as we could, uh, sort of legally, yeah.
1: you, now I want to talk actually uh, on the science. You both being scientists, uh, and not just as a job, but it, this became a mission. And yep. being science educators, and and that's what Sally Ride uh, science is about. Am I, is it, Could you talk a bit about what, why this has been such sure. a big focus, and why it's important to others to?
2: Sure. To, uh, no, it's uh, you know it's kind of been. Uh, I think for both Sally and I, it's what we have devoted most the most years to in our, our lives. Um, but it's kind of continuous with, you know, loving science, working in science, and then morphing off. But what happened is that, I'll try to talk quickly, because it's kind of a long story, but, uh, Sally and I, I, I had started writing, doing some science writing. Sally had to, she wrote a book with her high school friend, Sue Oakey, mm-hmm. um, uh, to space and back. Anyway, when we became a couple, we decided we wanted to to try writing science books together. And the reason we did it is we go to, we love bookstores, go to bookstores. And even today, if you go to bookstores, the fiction section for young people is huge. The nonfiction is like this. Okay. And the, the biographies of female scientists, is just, a, you know, you get Marie Curie and mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and then the actual science books, are some of them are just drop dead boring, or you know? And there's very good science writers, and and you know Isaac Asimov was a brilliant uh, science writer for kids. Uh, anyway, we noticed that, and we decided, okay, let's start writing. And then so we started writing children's science books, and they. It kind of worked. We learned how to make them engaging and interesting and accurate and, cha- you know, all the stuff that we wanted. And we tried to use stories to explain tough concepts. Anyway, they did well. And then in 2000, when we, we started a few years before that, we started noticing uh, newspaper articles, magazine stories about how boys and girls in our country do in math and science. And it's kind of appalling and there's numerous issues, from teachers not having degrees in math and science to uh, parents having subtle stereotypes. They think their sons are better in math than their daughters, even if they both get straight A's, and just all of this cultural stuff. Anyway, so we started talking to a few friends and uh, in, in the summer of 2000. And we just decided to try to do something about it. Um, And we debated long and hard, should it be a nonprofit or a company? Mm. Um, And we sought the advice of of friends who were entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley. And anyway, we decided we could do more as a company. So we started our company. We got a little under a million dollars in angel funding in 2001. And it was actually very good that we didn't know what we were doing. Because, you know, starting a business and making it successful is... Oh, my God. It's so much work. It's <laughs> daunting. But we didn't know that. You know, we were just like, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to make a difference. Uh, but we did. And we were basically a publishing company. We, we have a really good series on various STEM careers and also, um, you know, science books that are engaging and um use metaphors and storytelling to explain photosynthesis and gravity and so on. So we have books in life science, earth, physical, across the board. And then we thought it was really important, and the research shows it's really important to engage, especially girls and kids of color who don't have all of the encouragement, that others get um in kind of informal fun hands-on investigation so we always we, we started science festivals and uh different things to bring that aspect to to kids and then we also realized it's absolutely critical to train teachers so i was just we to did ask, that too when
1: dealing with that yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. but you know we were a very productive uh when we were a company mm-hmm. and uh you know, we, we trained using a train the trainer model, like 30,000 teachers and our books reached about 8 million kids. And, and we're still, you know, we're still, and then what happened is, you know, Sally died in 2012, July, and we hired, um, we did a national search for a CEO, hired somebody. It was a mismatch of, uh, on many levels. Um, And the board, I I had always been on the board, but the board decided, you know, the fingers pointed to me, you are the next CEO. So they thought I should be the CEO. And, you know, I wasn't really sure because I was the chief creative officer and then also COO. Um, But, you know, you just, you do what you have to do and you, and I had learned a lot about raising money and doing various things that I didn't realize I'd absorbed. Um, anyway, I became the CEO and uh, started working on a merger or an acquisition with either a science education company or a nonprofit because I just re- I realized that we needed to to grow and, and do better, um, you know, do bigger things. We we needed that, um, especially without kind of Sally because her name, you know, she could call anybody and they'd answer. Yeah. Um, anyway, so. Uh,
0: there, there's so much more. I mean, we get a chance to talk about like the research vessel named after Sally and the Presidential Medal of Freedom. But we're going to open it up to the audience um, for questions. Have a question.
3: I'm a really big time tennis fan, and I'm in my 70s. And I thought for sure that Bobby Riggs, the big hustler, had thrown the match to make some money on the side. Yeah. So let me let me finish this. It's really sure. something I learned by watching Billy Jean on PBS or something. And she said there's two reasons that didn't happen. Yes, he was a hustler, but there was a lot more money for him if he had won. Right.
2: <laughs> right. So There's
3: no way he would tank it. And the other thing was he was not a tanker (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he would he would uh, not kid with people like Margaret Court or Billie Jean He would kid with the club players with all the handicaps and stuff like that. So I really learned that uh, From Billie Jean.
2: Good
0: for you for absorbing that information
3: I actually watched the thing on TV the actual match. Yeah, and for sure until maybe a year ago when the PBS show. I believe that Bobby had, had tanked.
2: Well, that's OK. At least you're honest, and you could admit it, and you've changed your point of view. Because it, yeah, Billie Jean I won that match fair and square.
3: Position that there's a huge physiological difference in active sports between men and women.
2: Sure. Men have larger bones, on average, and therefore larger muscles. Yeah. That makes a big difference.
3: People talk Williams playing uh, Federer. That's nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could, they could, yeah. <laughs> No,
2: I agree.
3: Any other, other questions?
0: Question? Uh, uh, well, you think about a question. Just let us yep. know, and we'll we'll bring the mic over. And the reason for the mic is we're we're taping this as well, we tape the answer. Um, I was I was going to ask. Okay. I mean, just I just want to see your reaction. So, is climate change real?
2: <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. You're just you're just pulling my leg.
0: Could you send yes. a couple books to the White House?
2: Yeah. Yeah. But you know the trouble is. Who read? No one reads in the White House, right? But you
0: made it easy for for the... We yeah. tried. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean... No, climate change is... It's a fascinating topic, and it's so... There's so many different pieces to it. Um, you know, Sally and I wrote a couple... The main book that we wrote about it, it took us two years because there was a lot we had to learn. Yeah. Anyway. But, yeah, I mean, if 99% of the scientists around the world... <laughs> I think that the evidence is uh, very, very strong, you know, and and they have all sorts of evidence from mud cores to ice cores to air sample. You know, it's just the climate has never changed this quickly ever in history as far as we can (laughs) figure it out. Did she
0: ever... Sorry, John, Don't go really quick. Did she ever, like, did you guys have those discussions together considering, you know, when she went to space, she witnessed that, that blue ring that yeah. you talked about, right, the Earth's yep. atmosphere and kind of mentioned how she'd always been in the position of we need to protect this.
2: No, I mean, that, that you know, when Sally, the, her, the favorite thing for her to do when she was in space, you know, when they weren't working was to look out the window and look back at Earth because it's just... You know, I can't imagine. I mean, I sort of can because you, if when you look at the pictures, you can kind of put yourself there, but to actually do it, it's got to be different. And the Earth is slowly rotating under the window. And but when Sally noticed that that thin blue band, you know, she said almost like a kid took a crayon and and. Uh, you know, drew across the Earth's horizon. She just said she just realized it's like, oh, my God, we actually do live on a planet. That li- that blue band is our atmosphere. It's the only thing protecting, you know, all life on Earth from the vacuum of black space. So it made her uh, kind of a hardcore uh, environmentalist. Yeah,
1: We actually have a program series here called Climate One, and they they obviously cool. focus on this. Um, and one of the questions they get asked the most, I'm going to ask you, is... Is it too late to significantly um, deter further climate change?
2: Yeah. Um, It's never too late because we only have one planet to live on. We have no idea how to live on the moon. We can't even get to Mars. So... (laughs) No, this is it for our little species. Many other species will do just fine. You know, the, the microbes will carry on. I'm sure the cockroaches from Atlanta will live very happily. <laughs> but we're going to be in trouble if we don't do something. But, but it's interesting. Sally and I would debate this and talk about climate change a lot when we were writing our books. And I was sort of the pessimist. It's like, oh, God, you know the sea level is going to rise. My favorite city, San Francisco is going to be underwater, most of it. And, uh, you know,
0: I can give the city back to the developers. That's fine. Let's all go. Let's move. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but anyway, but Sally was the optimist and she was always like, you know, the human species, people are really creative. And when, when the going gets tough, we will find a way we'll come up with a, with an answer. So I think it's, You know, the sooner, the faster, the better, because uh, I think our world's going to change significantly. And you know, I hope I'm still alive. I want to see how things play out over the next you know few decades, but it's not going to be pretty, and it's going to be. We're already seeing it with uh, drought, forest fires, hurricanes, you know, extreme weather, and that's one of the major predictions from the uh, the United Nations uh, panel. Anyway. Speaking of which, um, I just read this morning that the Arctic is melting twice as fast. It's scary. Poor polar bears. I'm older than you are, and I don't want it to go to go to to pot no. before I leave this earth. But I'm really concerned about it, and yep. I have grandkids that I want to be safe. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I want to go back to what you talked about. Sally saying about the blue ribbon around the planet. Okay, How did she talk with you about being in space? I'm just, I wanna know every little thing. Yeah, you know, she was, uh, um, she, you know, she just had, she went in space twice, and she just had, especially that first trip on Challenger on uh, June 18th, 1983, she just had, and I think she was in space for five or six days, Um, she just had an amazing experience and being weightless was, so she talked about being weightless a lot because that is supposed to be just fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to imagine, you know, that gravity clicks off and suddenly I'm floating up and I can, you know, do somersaults. I can push off that wall and go over to the glass. And, um, but she talked about, you know, mistakes that were made sometimes that she and others would make, you know, that they would, uh, take a sip of something and then forget to, you know, swallow. And then these, you know, little bubbles of, not bubbles, but um, that, that'd be spheres of orange juice or water would go, uh, you know, drifting across and hit the back of one of her crewmates, you know, or, or whatever. Um, and just looking out, you know, at Earth and just really appreciating um, and really uh, feeling to, to the bone that, you know, We're part of the universe, you know, (laughs) we're in the solar system, you know. We live on a planet, and planets change, and planets are fragile, especially one with a biosphere. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Were either of you or together, were you, um, political in in addressing... Whatever these concerns were, obviously climate would be being one, or, or yeah. other things that you felt strongly about, or was it all through kind of more private means, such as with Sally Ride Science?
2: Yeah, you know, Sally Ride Science ended up being, uh, you know, an engine for politics because we were able to make dents, mm-hmm. teeny dents, uh, by talking to uh, corporations and trying to convince them. Uh, so we actually feel that, and when we started the the company. Um, there were very few, compared to now, organizations working in STEM for young people, and, uh, you know, corporate America has become more and more interested because they cannot hire enough uh, engineers, computer scientists, even, you know, Silicon Valley, we, they cannot hire enough. They're having trouble with diversity for all sorts of reasons, but um, anyway, uh, so I think You know, we tried our best to push with articles in newspapers and magazines and talking, uh, you know, going to conferences, talking to uh, corporate leaders, some politicians, you know, and then Sally, because of her position and who she was, um, you know, she was on the president's council for, um, what's it called, Um, you know, science advisory committee. Um, you know, and served, as you said, you know, Reagan, um, Clinton, Obama, you know, helped help them think through uh, some of the issues. Um, so certainly women, women in leadership, women in STEM, young people, especially girls and, and young kids of color, and uh, getting an equitable and excellent education, you know, which doesn't completely happen. Um, not so much with LGBTQ, you know, so I've become, uh, you know, I actually wrote the obituary that went on our website that kind of went viral when Sally died. And, you know, cause most people did not know she had cancer and they, uh, did not know for sure that we were a couple. Um, but, you know, being, being open and being honest and being who I am, it's, it, um, you know, it's changed me in significant ways. So I'm, um, you know, I love supporting HRC and, you know, being involved in any way I can to help, especially young people um, struggling with being themselves or whatever.
0: There's a couple questions as we wind down that I really want to ask. A lot has happened since 2012. Yeah. Sally Ride passed away. I mean, you, uh, she received the President's Medal of Freedom From President Obama and you accepted that on your behalf. Uh, I mentioned the, the Navy research vessel, uh, (laughs) then secretary Mavis had given you a call personally to, to, to say, to ask if that was okay. One, (laughs) which is something that happens. Like I think every 40 years I mentioned in the, the, the video, uh, also you've witnessed federal marriage equality, the follow, don't ask, don't tell. And then president Obama to, President Trump. A lot has happened. Um, yep. Good and good and, and maybe bad.
2: Uh, yeah. It, you know, it was all on such a good track until very recently. I mean, it was just you know so many new freedoms, and uh, you know, it just felt like we were really moving towards equality uh, for women, for LGBTQ. Um, for um stem education for the environment you know just all and it really you know it's just heartbreaking it just feels like we're we're taking major steps back i was
0: going to ask what you thought you know sally would have thought of it all i mean would would that have been like the ultimate bucket list item. To it's probably I, I. I can't say that it would be a bucket list item for me to receive a presidential medal because, <laughs> you know, I just talk all day and I'm inquisitive. I just like to talk to people. But I mean, Sally Ride, of course, right? What What do you think she would have done? You know, picking up the phone from the uh, from the secretary of the name uh, or secretary or or the president to receive this news.
2: Yeah. You know, I think uh, Sally was um, uh, quite humble, actually, and and she didn't – it it was kind of a – you know, she loved being – she loved accomplishing things and doing – she always followed her heart, and she always did the things that she loved doing. Um, But getting the awards, you know, I think she liked getting the awards, but she didn't – like, publicly – uh, you know, she just, it didn't matter to her. But I think, the, um, I think the research vessel, because it is, it's a naval research vessel, and they're studying the oceans, you know, every, you know, currents, uh, sea life, the atmosphere-ocean interactions, which are major in terms of uh, oxygen and CO2 um, going back and forth. And other other chemicals, um, so I think she'd be deeply honored about the the ship, um, and it was the first uh, research vessel ever named after a woman. So that would be you know she would be highly honored, and then you know God love Barack Obama, so you know, uh, you know, I, I was the first LGBTQ person to be you know. To accept a presidential medal of freedom from my, the love of my life, you know, and he respected that and thought that that was the right thing to do, you know. He another president could have asked Sally's mother or Bear or whatever, but you know. Oh. Anyway, it was very very cool. And then, uh, what's his name? Um, no, no, no. There was a. Uh, 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 Rustin Bayard's, uh, oh, yeah, yeah uh, his partner, I can't think of his name, and he's a lovely guy. He, he also. Walter so, Nagel. Thank you. Yeah. Walter Nagel. Yeah. He also accepted on behalf of,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's right. So if you were the first, then is Ellen the second or?
2: Well, uh, Walter and I were, it, just because of the alphabet, oh, right. I came first. But both of us, I mean, you like, know, we both yeah. were, were honored oh, in the can, same yeah. way by uh, Obama.
0: You yeah. know how we are in the LGBTQ community. Well, I'm the first gay. I'm the first lesbian.
1: <laughs> but it, it is a, it is a powerful video. Uh, watching that, watching Obama just announce, you know, her life partner, and and you standing there. Yes. And, and, yeah. It, yeah. And I was watching it earlier this morning and getting choked up just watching it because you know that that would not have happened in, uh, under any other president. Right.
2: Where yeah. Is this
1: video. Um, yeah. I saw. You, everything's
2: on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: Actually, if you go to the Commonwealth Club, find, look us up on Facebook and I, I shared it this morning.: Facebook. Cool. Uh, we're on Twitter. <laughs> it's on YouTube. If, you, if you, I would search for Tam O'Shaughnessy and Sally Ride, you'll, you'll find it. It's, it's a very moving video.
2: The hero and of: the And that was really my national coming out. Really? And so it was I mean, I was so moved, I was having trouble That's like right. standing still, but I loved I mean, Obama was so warm and so he was so sweet to me. Yeah. Wow. Anyway,
0: last question, John. (sighs) You can have the last question on my show.
1: Oh my. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What? What? What's? I mean, this is such an obvious question, but it's because you've done so much and are really committed to these things. What is next for you? What? What other things are you working on for the future?
2: Um, You know, so Sally Ride Science is now at UC San Diego, and we are just thriving there. So that is, uh, so I'm very involved with our, our programs. Um, so there's that. And then I continue to write. Um, and um, I've actually written a, a kind of a memoir about that. When I was 14, the very first year, I played the national junior tennis tournaments and all these crazy things happened mm-hmm. and, you know, and Billy Jean's in the story. And anyway, it's, uh, and Sally, makes a cameo appearance. (laughs) (laughs) I had to get her in there. Yeah. Um so Mm -hmm. writing and Sally writes science. And then the other thing is when Sally died, um, you know, I was hurting really badly and I knew I needed help. And so I um uh you know, I called hospice and they assigned me a grief counselor and she was oh my god she helped me so much but also she recommended that I take this mindfulness course at UCSD through the center for mindfulness and so I took this course mindfulness-based stress reduction MBSR and that it, it is just wonderful um set of skills to learn um and it's research-based, which it has to be for me or I won't do it. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so I'm actually getting trained to be a teacher oh, really? of MBSR through uh, UCSD because I love it and I want to teach um, young people this mm-hmm. skill.
0: I was thinking, oh, I need that. Uh, we all
2: do. Yeah. It's really right. helpful. teaches yeah. concentration and to to be completely present in the moment. And right. Yeah. it's. Uh, I recommend it to everybody, including Grant and Lindsay. My friends. I'm, I'm
3: busy that
2: day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just snorted. That was
0: funny. <laughs> Snorts are good. Yeah, Tam, thank you so much. I mean, this is so incredible. It was a fantastic one hour. It's it's Pride Month, and you know you are part of all of that pride. Yes. Uh, that uh, that I'm feeling that everyone is celebrating. Uh. And it's just so special that you came out here just for this program. It, I, I'd like to think that, but I know you have other meetings and important
2: people. No, but this was the, this yeah. was the reason. Thank yeah. you. Thank you well. so
0: much. And for sharing Sally with all of us today. Yeah. No, well, a- that concludes the Michelle Meow Show. Woo! We're back here next Thursday at noon, and we're inviting a few of the Grand Marshals to come in and talk about their work. And the Grand Marshals of San Francisco Pride, for those who don't know, cool, uh, they get honored for the work that they do. So we'll have writer Jewel Gomez with us.
1: Wonderful.
2: Fantastic. Good. Thank you, everybody. All right. Thank you guys so much.
1: Thank you. The Commonwealth Club is a unique organization that brings together people from a variety of backgrounds to explore important issues as a community. Sooner or later, everyone worth hearing comes to our stage. From Marga Gomez to Richard Chamberlain, from James Hormel to Kate Kendall, leading thinkers, activists, politicians, and artists have come to the Commonwealth Club of California. Ted Olson and David Boies came here to discuss their winning legal strategy for same-sex marriage. Jason Collins talked about gay athletes, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, discussed activism and good works. Actor and director Rob Reiner explained how he got Hollywood behind same-sex marriage. Barney Frank described what it's like to be gay at the highest levels of Washington. From healthcare reform to transgender rights, from immigration to gay-owned businesses, it's all at the Commonwealth Club. And that's still just a portion of the 450 programs we present every single year, with new programming nearly every single day. Be a part of the conversation. Learn more at CommonwealthClub.org. Download our free app in iTunes and join us in person the next time you're in San Francisco. The Commonwealth Club of California puts you face to face with today's thought leaders.
0: Weatherford BMW is where I spend a lot of my time. I love what I do and I love the people I work with. But work's not the only thing I love. I love the everyday simple things in life, like mornings at my favorite coffee shop, taking walks with my dogs around Point Isabel, and spoiling my partner for a scenic but thrilling ride. That's the beauty of living the Bay Area dream. We're just being ourselves, living our authentic life. Live your authentic life. A special message by Weatherford BMW.